Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. Okay. Um, we're grateful to your pastors. Um, wow, what a blessing to be here to see the fruit of their labor, see you. And uh, we have a word for you. Patrick and I have been preparing since uh, we got the invite. And God has you in his heart. He has a message for you. And the gifts... Um, you know, the, all the body, you are part of the body of Christ. And Jesus is in you. Ephesians 1 says that he fills the body up with himself. All the parts, just like nails, you know, in a body, head, hair. Jesus is filling up. Like there's energy in everything in you, in your physical body. Well, it's the same way with the corporate body of Christ. In this assembly... You all have a part. You're a member, and there's a function for each member. And we are supernaturally supplied with energy. You know, when Jesus ascended up into heaven in Ephesians 1, Paul talks about um, uh, his prayer is, God of my Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, grant me more and more of the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I may know more hope of your glory, you know, your inheritance of the saints, and that exceeding great power which you wrought in Christ Jesus when you raised him from the dead. Well, when he raised Jesus, he raised you. When he sat him at the right hand, you were seated in him at the right hand of the Father. So we are all born of this great, intense power, and it doesn't leave you. It doesn't leave you. It's in you. And you, as an individual, we continue to renew our mind and we are changed from glory to glory and we mature and we grow and we develop. But while we're doing that, we, we do our part in the local church, in the assembly. Uh, someone asked Brother Hagen, <clears throat> and I'm sure your pastors reference him. Um, years ago, someone asked Brother Hagen, uh, what do you see God doing these days? or in the last days, and he said, I see God building strong local churches who know the move of the Holy Ghost. So he didn't say 
I see God building strong megachurches. He didn't say that. He said he wants a strong church. Strong in what? Strong in the word. You know that this is your authority. This is where you renew your mind. This is God's promises to you. This is what I stand on in a storm when pressure comes. This is it. This is the beginning, the middle, and the end. This is the promise. It's true forever and always. And who will know the move of the Holy Spirit. That means we recognize in our own individual walking, our own individual life, we have our own little Holy Ghost church at home in our private selves. And then when we come here together, we overflow to one another because what's in me, in my thumb, must supply energy to all the other parts of the hand. Okay? This is how the body works. If you see, if you're working like this, if so, I mean, cut your hand off and see how effective you are. Okay? So if a part of the body of Christ is weakened, then it's going to affect the, the parts around it, and then the rest just can't move as quick a pace as, because it's overcompensating. So we, as individuals, in our walk with Jesus, must, it's incumbent upon us, to take a time out of our own lives, busy as they may be, to spend time with the Lord. And don't be condemned by somebody who can get up and say, I spend two hours with the Lord every day. You know, that works for them. That's good. You go to the Holy Ghost, and you find out what works for you. And that is your plan. And that's what you do. And you will bear fruit, and you'll grow. Okay, so... All of this we're talking about, really, supernatural relationships. That's my, my point. And I have a whole mess of notes. And I've just been like, Lord, what? I feel like I'm reading my screen, and it's like a wall. And so there, uh, Brother Hagen said that some things are better caught than taught. So you, you need the word. You need the precept. This is the precept of the Bible. I'm sorry, this is really not a Bible, but you know what I mean when I refer to that. Um, the precept is the, the word, the written word, uh, taught. It's taught. You have uh, a lesson. You have a teaching. You have instruction. That is our guide. But how does it work? What does it look like in doing? You know, when you walk it out, when you live it out. So I can apply it and be practical in my own life. So that's it. That's where I'm going. So we're going to, for, for an example, and maybe I'll give you some of the scriptures. We'll just see how the Holy Ghost is moving. Um, but I'm going to tell you these experiences of supernatural relationships. Now, I will start by saying a, a definition. Uh, what is a supernatural relationship? It is a friendship. It's a relationship, maybe with a sibling, a family member, or not. But it's someone that God has designed for you to be in relationship with. And it is so divine in its nature that it feeds you that this, what we're all born of, this supernatural power that was exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, that's in us. It's life, it's wisdom, it's knowledge, it's illumination to share for someone else. It's the joy that's in you that brings strength and comfort to someone else. 
So you are the answer to someone else. And it's not everybody. It's somebody or somebodies that God brings into your life specifically to have this connection. And maybe it's for a season. Maybe it's for your lifetime. But there are these people in your life. And you need to recognize them, that they are from God. Or if you don't believe you have any, pray and ask him to show you. Who is my friend that I'm supposed to be in relationship with? Show me. Bring them to me. Bring me my friends. Only God can arrange these. Uh, why do we need supernatural relationships? So these are quotes from our pastor. Our pastor's uh, Mark and Trina Hankins, I believe they've been here before. So um, Patrick has known them for over 30-some years. And um, my relationship with them started probably about uh, seven years ago. And we have uh, the opportunity to travel with them. They um, just are, we have access to them. And you know, if we have a need, we have questions, whatever, we can just text and get help in a time of need. So these are quotes from him. Uh, supernatural relationships spark supernatural revelation, which feeds your faith. So what is revelation? It's something that is uncovered, and you see it. So then when you see it, you look at something differently. And when you are in this supernatural relationship, uh, that's what you get from it like iron sharpens iron. This is what the body of Christ does to one another, but on another level, there are individuals who do this specifically for you in your life. Okay? And when you find out who they are, you honor that. You value that. You don't consider it as, you know, they're over there. And they're always there when I need something. So, I mean, they're not to be just used flippantly, or, I mean, place value. They're supposed to be valued. That's my point. This is another quote uh, by Pastor Mark. One day the Lord told me, there are important things you need to know. So the Lord is telling him this. There are important things that you need to know that I will not tell you. If I told it to someone you are supposed to be in relationship with. So are you stuck? Are you stuck? You need an answer, like Pastor was saying. You feel uh, you just know that there's I gotta get over this. What is it that I need to get over? Maybe it is something from this relationship. God has revealed some things to others that are necessary for our success that we will only get when we recognize and receive from them as a significant part of the body of Christ. So you're giving value to this relationship. It's significant. Okay? As a Christian, your supernatural relationships are vital to the purpose and plan of God for your life. And it's not, don't think that this, don't, don't think that I'm in the ministry and supernatural relationships are this big blown up thing. No, they're just as blown up and beautiful and magnificent as if you're a housewife. That's a, your job. That's, that's important. We value that. If you, like, Tim, you're, an, what do you do? I mean, like, 
welding or something? Yeah. yeah. I mean, his relationships are priceless for him. What if, what if his, his, this person that's in his life, the Lord speaks to him, says, you know, gives him a dream about, about Tim. Don't go to work. Don't go to work t- tomorrow, brother. Don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. But Tim really doesn't have anything. He didn't really hear anything from the Lord. But he values this person that they spend time with God. They know God. They hear from God. They have results, you know, fruit of their, their walk with the Lord that they're right. So he values that. This is a significant influence upon my life that could save my life. So he yields to it. Okay? All right, so this is what they look like. I'll give you my examples. Uh, I, graduated, I got born again in 1983. I was a senior in high school, and uh, my life was a mess. Parents had divorced, just in a depression, um, just felt like I was spiraling out of control. Had a girlfriend. We had all grown up Catholic, and um, I was searching. And my, one of the girls I played ball with uh, in elementary, junior high, and high school, um, they had all gotten saved. Well, I didn't know. I was Catholic. I don't know what that meant. But I was so miserable, she invited me to church. And it was an evangelical church. I didn't know what anything meant. I'm just sitting in church. and We're in a pew, so that was familiar. And um, I had gone a couple, three times, you know, and one, it must have been a Wednesday night service. Uh, they were giving the altar call at the end of the service. <clears throat> and I'm just sitting there watching, you know. And uh, she says, D, don't you think you should go up? And I looked at her and I said, I guess. So I went up, got saved, and the, she laid hands on me, prayed with me to um, the lady at the altar, uh, Miss Gwen. She's in heaven now. Um, she said, you know, to pray, get my prayer language. Well, it, it didn't come. And she just said, go practice. Well, I didn't know what that meant. I did not know anything. Four months later, I go off to, high, uh, to college in Iowa. I'm from Texas. I'd never seen snow like y'all get. And uh, I was there for one year in Iowa. I had a scholarship to study French. I was majoring in French in college. And, um, you know, I'm just there to bide time in the snow for a school year, really. And I am miserable. I'm not getting, there's nothing there except Lutheran churches, which to me were like Catholic. And I, I was hungry, so hungry, so hungry for God. One day I woke up on the top bunk, and I was speaking in tongues. And so that helped to feed my hunger and satisfy me, to help me worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, what I was getting out of my Bible. And I was just praying in the Holy Ghost, and this thought comes to me, um, go to a Christian university. And so I'm from Texas, so I was thinking of every Christian university I could think of, SMU, Southern Methodist, uh, uh, what is it, the one, Abilene Christian, anything that had Christian or, you know, a denominational name in it, I was thinking of, and nothing checked. Well, I had a job on the weekends. Uh, I was up like at 4 o'clock in the morning to empty trash cans in the dorms. Luxurious job. And uh, I would take a break in the lounge and cut on the TV. And on the Sunday mornings that I was doing that, 
um, I was just dozing off, but all the, the religious programming was on on Sunday mornings. And uh, I w there was Brother Roberts, or Roberts was on, uh, he had a program on at the time. And um, I don't know how many Sundays went by. I had, was dozing off, and that was on. You know, another Sunday goes by, it plays. And, but one Sunday, I'm dozing off, and I wake up. And I see that it's the, the it was uh, like a it wasn't a drone it was probably a helicopter back then but it's an aerial panning the whole uh, um, campus and there's the prayer tower if you've ever been and um, and I thought oh my God that's it that's where I'm supposed to go so got an application uh, got accepted and the day that I'm there to register my whole family. A good Mexican family, we do everything together. Uh, they're all in the registration line with me, following me through the whole process until, you know, we have to say goodbye at the car lot. And, uh, but behind me was this girl who was there all by herself. And so we were like at the tail end of this registration line, and uh, there were no uh, female dorms ready to receive us last three girls. So we got put in a temporary dorm, in a, they, in a half of a boy's dorm they set aside for overflow or whatever. So there's three of us girls in three cots in this small dorm, and she's in my room. And all she had was like a suitcase, but she had boxes of tapes. I didn't know what tapes were. Tapes, it were Brother Hagen's tapes, Brother Copeland's tapes. Jerry Savelle's tape, Charles Capps tapes, and that uh, was my became my Bible school with her. So this relationship has lasted all my life. She was like my first pastor. She was teaching me uh, about sewing and giving. She came from a family that had a, a successful business in Georgia, and uh, she had uh, four brothers and uh, some that were in their 20s, uh, mid-20s, late 20s at the time. Nobody in her family ever left home. I mean, her brother still lived at home, and she goes away, but she spent her first year at a local college. So I spent my first year, my freshman year, at another college, and we both come to ORU at the same time, same place, same day, same line in front of one another and behind one another. So who can arrange that? It's the Lord. Now why? This is, this is the answer for everything. Because when you get born again and you get baptized with the Holy Ghost and you have your prayer language, it is vital to pray in tongues so that you can, you can pray. It says in Corinthians, Pray for the understanding. Now, I don't always get the understanding. So I just like, okay, that's, that's cool. God's not going to give it to me yet. That's fine. But what I do get, that's what is renewing my mind. That's what's saying, you know, go this way, go that way. This voice inside here. So that time that I got sounded right to go to, go to a Christian school. That was the Holy Ghost. Because I had gotten my prayer language. Now I can't stop praying. And that was this thought from the Holy Ghost coming up to here. 
yeah, that, would, that seems right. Find out what it is. And then, you know, God was playing it every Sunday for me until it finally hit me. Um, so she uh, has been instrumental in my life. We're the same age. Uh, we have, are like lifelong friends, and she is vital to my life. I, I know that if she calls, if she messages, I know. Do y'all remember that? Some of y'all probably do. When E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. Yeah. Well, when I get her text or call, I know I need to listen. So that's the place of these people, these divine supernatural relationships. You listen to them. God put them in your life for a purpose. Okay? Um, uh, I will fast forward real quick. Uh, so I had a first marriage, and um, at the end of, towards the end of the marriage, he's in heaven, he, he passed away, but towards the end of the marriage, um, he, uh, he was just in a really bad place, my husband. Um, there were things going on with his, he had a, a, a first marriage as well, and children, and one of his children were in a really bad place, and um, it was, uh, plans were to put them in another an institution for care, uh, alcohol care. And uh, so he was mad because he was going to have to put them in care again. You know, all these other things didn't work. Why am I going to spend money on this? It's not going to work, blah, blah, blah. So he got in a really bad place, and uh, I found a church, and I was just thrilled to be going to church, and um, he was not happy that I was going to church. And... Then he said he wanted to get a divorce, and so I call my friend, and she is just walking me through all these steps. You know, stay in love. Love never fails. Love never fails. It's going to be tough. You know, a soft answer turns away wrath. If you, if you don't even have the soft answer, just walk away. Don't say anything. So I'm, this is comforting me. This is helping me. This is helping me to stay in a place of love because had I not, I would not have seen such supernatural, spectacular things happen for his going away and thereafter. So supernatural relationships are vital. Just like your heart is vital to pumping everything through your body, a supernatural relationship is vital to your, your life. Um, let's see. This is good, too. Um, because she had all these tapes, uh, her parents had, uh, were longtime partners with the Copelands and, and the Hagans and, and the Roberts, uh, Brother Roberts' ministry. And uh, she grew up going to all of Brother... Copeland's Southwest conventions that he would have in Fort Worth. And because school was starting in uh, August or September, she missed, she missed that summer, uh, that convention. Uh, but her mom sent her all the tapes. And when the tapes came, she was untouchable because she was eating up all the tapes. And she called me in my room one day and she said, are you in your room? I'm like, yes, uh, this is the phone in my room. I'm in my room. I am coming over there. So she sat down with her little tape cassette 
on the floor. I joined her on the floor. It was a blue carpet, as a matter of fact. And she said, listen to this. And she pushed the button, and it was uh, Billy Brim. And she was talking about the glorious church. And she was like just getting this revelation, and she's sharing it. They give her time at Brother Copeland's meeting. And when she played it, it uh, this is all I can, this, the only way I know how to describe it. It went into me. It so registered with me. I knew that was me. I knew that was for me. And I knew that it was about the direction that my life would go. It would have something to do with that. Um, so I, uh, you know, I'm just feeding on these tapes. I, everything, Billy Brim, I'm trying to get my hands on to, to grow and mature and find out what is this glory of God, glory in the church. And um, I end up uh, six years, seven years later, going to Brussels as a missionary. And there, my pastors are hosting Billy Brim in a few months. However, I have to go back to the States to renew my visa. So every time Billy came to Brussels, I had to renew over like three years. I always had to renew, and I missed her. Uh, but I was still following her, and I was, uh, you know, pursuing this, the word, and, and just meditating on those scriptures. And um, my pastor in Brussels, she and uh, Miss Billy are, they're like mother-daughter, and, you know, I'm on the outside of this relationship. So after my husband passed, my pastor in Brussels, she comes to visit me in South Carolina. And uh, we go to a Billy Brim meeting. And after the meeting, she says, I, I want to go see her. And I'm like, okay, this might be my chance. And anyway, um, I did not know this, but Miss Billy knew who I was. Uh, my pastors had talked to, to them when she would come to Brussels, and they said, we have this girl, she's helping us, and this, that, and the other. So when I sat down uh, to chat with her, it was like, she, we knew, we didn't have, really have a lot of pleasantries. We just started talking like friends. And so uh, she, uh, she said, um, you know, how, how are you doing? Um, I know your husband passed. And so I started giving a little testimony to her about that. And uh, when Patrick, so Miss Billy and Patrick go way back to like the 80s early, uh, mid-80s, and he is like her boy. Like, kiss on the lips, boy. I love you, boy. How you doing? All over his face. And um, before uh, Patrick and I got married, we had a very, very short engagement. And uh, he was working at Eagle Mountain International Church at Brother Copeland's ministry site in uh, 2017. And uh, she, they spot each other in the back uh, where the speakers are during a uh, conference that Brother Copeland is having. And she says, there's my boy. How you doing? Aren't you just so happy? And he says, yes, ma'am. She said, have you met her yet? And he says, well, yes, I have. Really? Yeah, you want to meet her? She's here? 
Yeah, she's right out here. So it's like Grand Central Station in between services. Everybody wants coffee and the restrooms. And so they come down the end of the hallway where I am. People passing everywhere. They're, they're standing, you know, probably right here between, halfway between me and you. And uh, Patrick says, there she is. And I mean, all these people are walking by and she's looking around and she looks at me, but she doesn't acknowledge me. And she says, who? She's right here. Where? Not D. He says, yes, D. <laughs> Patrick. D deserves to be loved because she had heard my story a few months before. This came out of her. D deserves to be loved, and you are just the one to do it. And she laid hands on us right there in the middle of everybody and prayed a blessing on us. So it was just a blessing, a confirmation, you know, this thing is moving pretty fast, but she, she believes with us that it's God. So God, only God could do that. So supernatural. Only God could do that. Um, I will talk about uh, the Hankins, uh, Pastor Mark and Trina. Um, my first husband was uh, pretty controlling, and uh, it really wasn't God's best, but uh, I, I walked into this, and um, there, there's a saying, and uh, Miss Billy talks about this when she tells a story of Brother Hagin's mom. And the people back then said that if you make your bed and it's hard, you lie in it. If you make your bed hard, you lie in it. And so that inferring that Brother Hagin's mom married a man, it was not God's best, but she stayed with him. And so thus was this step that I took. And, uh, you know, I mean, he was an abusive, but... Um, it was just tough because, you know, when somebody's controlling you, you don't, I didn't get to go to church. And I loved church, and I knew I was a member of the body of Christ, but I was so ashamed that I went down this road, that I disconnected from everybody, even my ORU friend who lived 70 minutes away from me, and for 20-some years. And so um, I, am, I figure out Facebook. I was, like, terrified of Facebook. Um, I did not know, understand a lot, you know, Instagram, any of that stuff. So this is 2012, I think. And I figured out I could look up people that I had been friends with, find out what they're doing. And so I followed my, my pastor in Brussels and um, my roommate in Brussels, my friend in, uh, from ORU who lives 70 minutes away. And uh, so I'm just like, what do you call that, stalking? Um, I have this pseudo ID name, you know, for Facebook. It's not my real name. And um, so, is that me? Um, anyway, um, so I'm, uh, one day I'm brave enough and I send a message to my, my uh, pastor in Brussels. And she says, oh my gosh, I have to FaceTime you right now. So she, I didn't know what FaceTime was, so I, I saw this thing come up on my screen. I pushed the green thing because it looked like a phone that you answer. And there she is in Brussels on her couch, and she says, I am moving right now. Tomorrow is my last day in this house. I am moving to Minnesota. She said, Philip is getting married in May. You need to come. 
And I thought, oh, how am I going to come? I can't even go to church, much less fly to Minneapolis to, to a wedding. But anyway, um, I, it was a miracle, and I got to go and reconnect with her and her kids. And it, it began, it, it rekindled a friendship. So when things got hard with my husband, she was there to walk me through. And uh, it, it was just the timing of when I did that. You got to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost to find the divine supernatural relationship and to walk through those divine relationships. You know, the promptings, the unctions, the thoughts that come, is that me? You know, just, just go that way and see if it is you. I'll tell you what, being on the lines of listening to the voice of the Holy Ghost, I heard Brother Copeland say, just start in your closet. Because if you put on a black sock and a blue sock, it's not life-threatening. But if you say, I think that was God telling me to go to China, and you go, and it wasn't God, that is life-impacting, seriously. So I wanted to hear his voice clearer and clearer and clearer. Brother, Brother Hagin had this, uh, this confession, I know God's voice better than I know my mother's, better than I know my wife's, better than I know my, my mother's. So I started confessing. I know God's voice better than I know my mama's voice on the phone, better than I know my daddy's voice on the phone. And I would go into the closet, and I'm listening, I'm listening in here, and I'm looking, and I'm not going to make a move until I hear what shirt, what pants, what jewelry, all these little things. And I'm telling you, it worked. I was honing in on what his voice sounds like so that if it is this whisper or if it's emphatic and loud, I recognize it. I know his voice, his whisper, better than I know my mama's, better than I know Patrick's. So when you start in the little things, they're going to be there when it's a big thing. When there's pressure and things are so loud, you recognize that voice. So you have to practice that. It's on you. It's not on your pastor. That's on you and your walk. Okay? Jesus, Jesus, it was on Jesus to find out what the will of the Lord was, wasn't it? I mean, he saw in the word, and we see in the word, how to live. Jesus is seeing himself. I, I got to do this all the way to the end. This means complete, utter, absolute darkness and separation from my Father. Nevertheless, not my will, but this will. This is the Father's will. I will do that. I will choose that. And he said, he'll be glad about it for the joy that was set before him. I mean, figure that out. For the joy, you just have to believe that on the other side of your obedience and hearing that unction in the direction that there is something good. That's why you go ahead and do it. God's going to do something on the other side of my obedience to these promptings, to this direction, to this sowing, to this giving. Let's talk about that. Supernatural life is sowing and reaping. 
It includes that. It's God's kingdom. It's how he does things. He loves so much he gave. There you go. He is the biggest giver because there is nothing more greater. Is that right, English? There is nothing greater than a life. There's, it's priceless. Life is priceless. But when it's your own child's life, you know, it's, it's wonderful to be up here and dedicate them to the Lord. But in this particular never again scenario of the Father and His one and only to save us, to reconcile us back to this relationship where we can be all smothered up in the Father's face and, and cozy and comfy and talking to Him and love, getting loved on by Him, Jesus was, was willing to bring us back by shedding blood, being destroyed completely. Utter. He wasn't even recognized as a man on the cross. I mean, what deterioration have we seen of a human being like that? You'll, we'll never see it. Only one man went through that, and that was Jesus. So the kingdom of God is, is love, the law of love. There's the law of sowing and reaping. There's the law of faith. So the law of sowing and reaping, I learned this from my girlfriend at ORU because of her family. They, they were successful in business because they were givers. They were tithers. They were big offerings. I mean, they were generous people. And so one of the first things I learned from her was about giving. And um, it's amazing. She uh, lived on another dorm, and she was having trouble making friends. She, she, you know, I said she never, none of their family had ever left home. And I don't know why none of my family had ever left home, but I was totally cool about being away from home. So I couldn't get what her deal was with being homesick. Um, so I would go, you know, every time I would go in a room, it's like she was on the phone with her mama. Like, come on, we're like 20-year-olds. This is, this is our time to be free. <laughs> anyway, I met her mama, and she's like my mama, so I totally get it. But um, so I was studying in her room one night, and I was at the desk. She was over here on the edge of her bed. And she would sit on the edge of her bed. She had something in her hand. And then she would leave the room. And I just heard all this noise. She'd be gone for a little bit. And I'm studying. I was not a good student, but I was making the motions. And <clears throat> she'd come back in the room. And she would, she would go over here to get something. And then she'd sit on her bed. She'd wrap it up. And then she'd leave. And she'd come back. And one time I just asked her, what are you doing? She said, I'm sewing Oreo cookies. I said, OK. I mean, I, didn't, I knew about sewing money. I didn't know you could sew Oreo cookies. Whatever the substance was is a seed. It was going to open a door. So I, uh, you know, we go home on a break and uh, come back on break from the break, and I'm telling you, I go over to her dorm, and every person on her floor, Susie, Susie, they love Susie. Where, how was your break? Because she was sewing to make friends. And she reaped a whole floor of girls to be her friends. 
So whatever the substance is, it's relative to what you need. She needed friends. She wanted friends. She like, how do I make friends, Holy Ghost? How do I make friends? How do I, what is it that I would break this down, this door, this wall down to have friends? That these girls wouldn't be so cold to me. I mean, we're talking about, oh, are you Christians? You know, come on. But she made the way. She heard, sow the cookies. Praise God. So, um, I'm learning, you know, my, my husband, he, uh, he had come into a lot of money in a business going public, and he had been one of the founders, and so, but he was just a regular guy. You would never know uh, that he had wealth, um, but I could not give. I could not sow. Uh, he, you know, every month we, he would look at the statements, the bank and the charge card, what was this for, what was that for, why'd you spend that much, this, that, and the other. So I just, I just knew I couldn't give. And uh, I had found a, a church online, uh, Keith Moore in uh, Branson, Faith Lab Church, and I was at every single service. I was, I was involved except for being in service uh, with fellowship. And one service, uh, every service they have a, a confession they make, and everybody's quoting it, and it's, uh, part of it is, God's going to bring into my hand seed, great big whopper chunk seed. And he stopped, and he said, you know, I've, the Lord's been dealing with me on that. And, you know, if he may be bringing into our hands great big whopper chunk seed, whatever it is that you, would be great big whopper chunk seed to you. But what if we already have that seed in our possession? You know, like, I mean, relative to you, a house, a car, your camper, your Harley, whatever, you know, or a diamond ring, or, you know, to kids, it could be their iPad, or whatever. Whatever is relative to you is great big whopper chunk seed. And when he said, you may already have it in your possession, I jumped up. I, I'm in my room by myself, me and Keith and Phyllis Moore in the church, and I raised my hands and I said, everything I have is a seed to sow, even me. And the Holy Ghost helped me. I want you to tithe. And I thought, I don't have anything to tithe. You know, you bring money to tithe. And he said, you have been uh, increasing spiritually, so you just bring that increase to me with praise and worship. So this is just like spiritual tithing. And so I did that. The next time he says, now I want you to bring me a tithe and an offering. And I said, I, I, I can't do that. That'll be traced. I, you know, that won't go well. And he said, go to your pocketbook and and get something from there. Well, I had change. We had, uh, my stepdaughter had two kids, and I had change from when the grandkids were with me. And so I literally, I am, I'm sneaking, you know, acting like everything's cool, you know, going to my purse, getting change out, going back to the room, and I bring it to the Lord. And to me, it was like a kajillion dollars. And I brought it to the Lord, and I worshiped him, and I praised him. 
And this is going into the house of God where he makes his name abide so that people can be touched with the gospel, so that the lights can be on. And this program that's coming to me from Faith Life Church can keep coming to me. And so that's how I gave. He would say, go get something, and I would get it. And then it was time to send it. And I'm like, how do you do that? I, I, I couldn't, I, in my head, I'm, my head's spinning. How? And then I saw this flash at the grocery store at Safeway at the checkout counter. I saw Western Union at the customer service. And so I thought, perfect. The next time I go to the grocery store, I'll take it. Got my little change for my coin purse. Take it up there. And she's counting it out. And it's like $7.69. And I get to sew it. It was an awesome, awesome day. And Pastor Mark teaches on sowing and giving. And he said that your seed sown goes out into the spirit realm. And it's going to bring a harvest to you of something that money could not do. My husband gets saved. Uh, a few weeks after that, he goes up to heaven. But about 24 hours prior to that, he said, don't think that you're going to get the money, any of the money. I said, it's not about the money. It's about us. Let's go fix us. And he said, there's nothing wrong with me. I said, okay. Well, then we're on this road. And he, uh, before in front of me, he went, had a heart attack, and he went up to heaven and I know he was present with the Lord. He was absent from his body. It was really a supernatural and spectacular thing for me. But he didn't take anything with him. And I got to sow. And my sowing, because God could trust me to do it with $7. He could trust me with what was coming into my hands thereafter. And the things that I have reaped, I mean, I gave away. He had some nice stuff. And the Lord told me exactly what to do because I had been in the closet about what pants to wear, what top to wear. So I knew what to do with the big stuff. Now, I haven't reaped, which I would have liked this, a thousand Porsches. I haven't reaped a thousand Porsche cars. But my seed, the extravagance of this seed, has brought a relationship to me, like with Pastor Mark and Trina. I know that is a harvest of sowing those things, those extravagant big things relative to me. Those were huge. So it brought a supernatural relationship. So like the mother whose eight-year-old came to her, the mother who's probably a giver and a tither, it has gone into the spirit realm, and the Holy Ghost is exerting this holy influence upon this boy to turn him and awaken him to Jesus. I want to be saved. I want him to be my Lord. So your giving can go out into that realm and affect your your children, your future, your inheritance. Hallelujah. All right, so you have an example of what supernatural relationships are like.
what they, the benefit from them. But Jesus has already, and I'm closing, Jesus has already created one for you. You just have to get to a place and it's there. It is very, 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 very important supernatural relationship. And it is your pastor's. The teacher, me, Patrick, Ministry of Helps, he teaches too. But the evangelist who comes through here, the teacher who comes through here, the apostle who comes through here, they are not your pastor. You are not going to call Marty Blackwelder, who was here months ago, when you have a problem at night. You're going to call your pastors. Because this supernatural relationship is for every day of your life. It is, as long as you are here, this is the influence that God has designed for you as sheep of this flock. And he created them for this purpose. When Jesus went up to heaven, he gave gifts. He gave pastors. And there are sheep to come into this fold. And let me just read this to you real quick. When the church was born with, uh, in the book of Acts... All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. This is Acts 2, 42. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's what the church looked like when it started. That's how it should look today. And you have God instituted this design for how it should look with overseers, and those are your pastors. So we, there's, when we're talking about honoring and valuing supernatural relationships, this is one to be honored. This is one to be valued. It's not, it's not a common thing should not be taken as something common. It's supernatural. It's a relationship that is above any other type of natural relationship you have because they are in the face of the Father for you. Their ears are tuned to the Holy Ghost. What do we do about them? This family over here, Lord, what, what is it about them? You're on their hearts. You're on their radar. So I encourage you in this particular relationship with your pastors to value it, to honor it, to cherish it. It's from God for you. Amen? Okay, I'm checking, and I think that is it. Peace be with you. Blessings upon you all. We believe for increase and multiplication. In Jesus' name, we speak the blessing of the Lord upon you in everything that concerns you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.
Thank you, pastors. Amen. Praise God. Wasn't that good? Amen, amen, amen. Listen, for those of you that are in the worship ministry, Patrick is going to be doing a worship workshop this evening. If you're somebody here that uh, has a heart to be a worshiper, wants to be a part of the team, uh, just as feeling God stirring in that, come on out tonight. It's going to be at 6.30, and again, it's going to be a wonderful class. But right now, I just want to take the opportunity to bless their ministry. She talked about supernatural relationships, and oftentimes those supernatural relationships are there because oftentimes what the other has, you have need of what God has put in them. And just as you was hearing her talk about the relationships that God placed in her life, and just how God connected that through a means by sowing and giving... I wasn't going to do this and I wasn't going to say anything about it just because they were so generous. But you see a new keyboard on the platform, don't you? We invited them in because we knew they had something to give us spiritually. I walked in this morning, brand new keyboard. Because they wanted to bless you. Bless this church. That's the kind of people that they are. And so I want to take the opportunity to honor them in our giving this morning. In addition to that, I want you to connect the dots in this area. We're living in times right now where there is great oppression, depression, recession. And difficult times are coming just around the corner because that's the hour that we're living in. But you heard of a woman that said, I was in a marriage that had great depression, oppression, and recession. But I gave. And I gave my way out of that. And God brought about relationships that took my life to another level, another place. And so I want you to think as you give right now that what you're sowing and what you're giving into is not just a ministry, but you're sowing into your future for God to open up doors. That when difficult times come and everything seems to be going awry around you, people can look at you and say, what's different? And you can simply say, I've got divine relationships with people and with God. And God always takes care of my needs. So just keep that in mind as you give. Let's give in faith. Let's give generously into their ministry. Amen? Amen. I gave you enough time. I'm sorry I didn't tell you to go ahead and prepare your, your giving. But there's offering envelopes there in front of you. Obviously, you can give by, I don't know if it's on the screen there. But you can text specifically. Uh, again, make the notes and all those kind of things. You can give by credit card on your envelopes as well. But we just want to say thank you for what they've blessed our ministry with. Amen. Amen. If you will, let's pray over our giving. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for that which we've heard, that God, there's divine steps, orders, instructions, and relationships that God, you're speaking into our hearts. So God, I thank you that as we give into this ministry right now, 
that God, we hear, we see, and we know. And we give you all the thanks and praise in Jesus' wonderful name. And we all said, amen and amen. The ushers, they're going to be serving you right here behind you, young people. Randy right behind you here. Randy right behind you here. There you go. Just as they're giving, if you'll just give, my, give me your attention for just a couple minutes. Just as they're taking up the offering, I know that's important. Kingdom business are giving. But as you heard, a young eight-year-old boy said, I want to come to church this morning and I want to ask Jesus into my heart. I want to make it official. I want to pray that prayer. If just by chance you're here this morning and you've never had that supernatural relationship with Jesus, meaning I've never came to a place of knowing Him. I've never received Him into my heart. I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. I just want to give you that opportunity right now. It's real simple. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. Here's what I want you to do. With every head bowed and every eye closed. In fact, can we just stand for a moment as we get ready? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you were to leave this place, do you know where you would spend your eternity if you were to die this very hour? Have you made Him the Lord of your life? If you say no, here's your moment. Here's your divine appointment. As I said, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But if you're here this morning, when I ask you to raise your hand, would you please just raise your hand and say, yes, I want to receive Jesus. On the count of three, one, two, three, raise your hand. Say, I want to receive Jesus. I see that hand back there. I see that hand back there. Anybody else? You can put it down once you put it up. Two hands have went up already. Anybody else? You'd say, I want to receive Jesus. I just want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to make sure that I know that I'm going to heaven. Maybe you're watching online and you said, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I just want you to pray this with us. Do that congregationally. Let's do that together. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I believe and I receive my forgiveness now in Jesus' name. I also believe that he rose from the grave to give me victory. And therefore, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Well, that's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year? Where you'll see restoration in your family or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life we would love the opportunity to help you in that if you would like more info or if you have any questions we want to hear from you you can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv we are Genesee Valley Church loving God loving people loving life